So um, it's great to be together. I know this uh, Thanksgiving we're going, uh, Sonia and I uh, are excited. We get to fly to Mexico City tomorrow and spend Thanksgiving with our daughter Cassidy. So she, she sends her love. You know, she's uh, speaking that Span Española. She speaks pretty good. Now she'll be taking us through the, little, the city and we'll be eating and doing all those kind of things. But uh, she'll be doing the talking for me. But I'll try to pick something up. Besides food poisoning, amen. <laughs> amen. All righty then. The title of the lesson is How to Revive Yourself from the Pit. How to Revive Yourself from the Pit. You're going, what are you talking about? I'm not in any pit. Well, maybe you can use the word rut. Okay. Spiritual dryness. Not feeling close to God. Feeling disconnected. Or just... Uh, Wherever someone's at, sometimes you're just not in a good place for a while. You've lost that yeah. passion for life. Yeah. You know, a rut. You're still doing everything, but it's, a, it's really a mental and spiritual perspective. That's why God says set your heart and mind on things above. But we're all going to be there, and, we're gonna, and we know how to get back out. And sometimes God allows us to be there for us to learn. Because true love is... is, is loving in spite of what's going on. So let's look at Psalm 40, verse 1. How to re revive yourself. And then, you know, I knew for me, man, when I first was invited to church, I realized, I didn't realize the wording, but I was in a pit of sins. And I didn't really know how to change. And then that's what the power of the cross, the power of God's word and someone showing me correctly and really helping me. And I started to have faith to seek the Lord with all my heart that uh, I realized, wow, that's what I understood the first time, the power of bringing me out and saving me. But look in Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put trust their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look uh, to the proud, to those who turn aside to false Small g gods, idols. You know, the pit, slimy pit, that, how you doing? Mud and mirror. Now he's talking spiritually speaking. That's how you feel. And what's really amazing is he puts a new song in our mouth. What's that mean? It means a perspective. You ever been with someone that keep playing the same song? And you're tired of it, or you heard a song so much, even on the radio, it might have been a hit, you might have liked it, but they've overplayed it, and now you're like, oh, you don't like it anymore, right? Christmas music, every time of the year when it starts this season, I'm like, ah, I'll be in the, I'll be in the store, and the first time I'll hear it, oh, those sleigh bells, and I remember I was in Dillard's the other day or something, and uh, I told the lady who was working there, hey, man, it's kind of cool, the Christmas season. I'm hearing Christmas music. And she goes, yeah, but if you work here, you're hearing it all eight hours a day. And I said, well, I don't work there, so I'm going to enjoy it. But, <laughs> but you know, uh, when Christmas time is over and it ends, it's like I won't keep playing the Christmas music because it's just, I guess I'm just programmed seasonally. But, you know, when it, when it comes back around after 12 months, I'm excited again. Yeah. It's interesting. 
But God puts a new song in your mouth, a new perspective. You're still in your life. You still have what you're doing. You still have everything that's going on. Nothing's changed except your, your, your spiritual vision, your perspective. And he says it puts a new song in your life. It's a new step. It's a new perspective. It's like, wow, that was then, this is now, and what am I doing? I'm sitting in the past. I'm allowing me to think and ruminate in things that God says, don't do that. It's not helping you. So when he says, I put a new song, I'll put a new song in your mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. He says, it, focus on God, bring it back to God Amen. and figure out why you're in the pit and help God get you out. And we know, Philippe, as he shared, man, that redemption's always there for us. You can be, when you're in sin and in the mud, you're, you're not doing well. Until you really repent and obey, you can't understand redemption, even though God's got it for you. So, you know, waiting for God to help us is not necessarily easy at times because it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He says in verse 1, he turned to me and heard me, but he was waiting patiently. It wasn't like God was busy. I'll get with you. Have a seat. That's the world, right? When you go to do something, you're hoping you can get through it quickly. Just a minute, and there's like a line or something. That's not God. He's not too busy. He's allowing or causing the circumstances in your life for a reason. We just don't see it yet. And that's why we get, when we have the wrong perspective, we get entitled, we get impatient, we get sad, we get victim, we get uh, self-pity. We start getting these, these visions that, that, that don't allow us to see what God is wanting and keep us fresh and alive. So it's like almost an old tired song going on and on and on. <laughs> And God says, hey, man, we need to change the whole record. Let me, yeah. let me get you focused. Here's a new, fresh, uh, you've never heard this before. This is my song, man. And you're going to be fired up. And you're going to want to sing it in the shower and everywhere. <laughs> God lifted this person out of his despair. God set his feet on a rock. God gave him a firm place to stand. And God put a new song in his mouth, like, wow, I'm fired up. I see life. You know, when you come out of the pit, you're excited. You are fired up. You are grateful. Um, point number one is surrender your will to God. This is how you get out of the pit. It's one-on-ones, the fundamentals. Can you pass me my water? Thank you. Uh, it's uh, surrender your will to God. Look at First Peter chapter 5. Now, we all can go, amen, but that is more than just a statement. There is steps and direction from God's word. You must have faith, but you have to trust and obey God to, to, for him to help you through the pit. He can't forgive you if you don't admit and want to be forgiven. He can't help you if you're defensive and prideful. He doesn't work that way. Uh, you know... Some of us may be in here right now, maybe looking or feeling down or feeling in the pits, just life going on. And it's not like there's anything wrong with you. Sometimes life happens. Like uh, Philippe said, life happens. Yes. Life happens. Yeah. And God's, but God's still in control. Yeah. You, sometimes we could find, you know, uh, you lose your desire to go on with God. Sometimes Jesus even says many, you know, in John 6, many, many turned and walked away and no longer followed him. They said, this is hard. Their perspective was wrong. It's not, God's not a hard teacher. Walking with God's not hard. It's your attitude toward it 
because you get your self-will back in and don't want to do it anymore because there's something pulling you so you're saying because walking with God should be joyful Walking in the light and living for God should be the most freeing, amazing thing, but we can get pulled out from the temptations and things. So, you know, you lose your desire to go on with God and you just want to give up. That's in the pit. But but you got to go, what are you doing? Are you doing, you you need to start for disciples, brothers and and sisters in the church that that understand what it means to make Jesus Lord. You got to go, are you doing what you did at first or have you drifted? Because it's not like a, a magic wand, God calls us to be fully devoted. And, and just like in marriage, it, you know, if you've been, if you're married, uh, you know what it means to be devoted, even if your marriage is in the pits yeah. or dry or something's going on, you got to keep giving your heart and go, let's talk about it. Let's work on it. It's worth it. I love you. Yes. So look in first Peter chapter five, verse Five. In the same way, you, all, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I waited patiently. That's what that guy was saying. I waited patiently. I don't know what the timing was, but God in due time did it. That's what he'll do with you. Come on. See, but the key here to surrender your will to God is to submit, to have submission. What is the submission? Assume, uh, assume a place of submission is part and really what it takes to be surrendered to the will of God. If you're not surrendered, you're not submissive. Submissive and, you know, we live in a day right now where most people, many people in the world are all seeking their own way. But a man or woman of God that made Jesus Lord, who wants to please the Lord and learn to allow God to, to lead him, will, 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 will happily give God a place of prominence. Do you give God a place of prominence in your life, in your walk? in your prayers, in your thanksgiving, in your, in your understanding that everything that you've done or will do is of God, even though you need to do your best. God says, you know, work at it as though you're working with all your, with all your heart, as though you're working for him, God, not man, but you do your best. Amen. You know, God, to surrender your will to God, you're free if you really can get there. Because when you're surrendered to God, you totally trust. So you do your best, but there's no worry. It takes the worry away. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, because who is God? Well, we got to remember how powerful it is even, you know, when we come to church. I realize I set my mind when I'm singing, I'm trying to sing with the worst, with the song leaders, not because I'm trying to go along with the church program. I'm worshiping God. I really am singing, and that takes a lot of faith. When I first came to church 29 years ago, I wasn't a singer. So I was just kind of... And not till I studied the Word and understood where it shows in the Bible, sing to one another, sing hymns of joy to God, sing. It says that. I went, okay, and I was, I was studying, and, wa- and I, I want to please God. And I went, wow. So then I didn't, that's when I opened the book with a new perspective and would sing Amen. and try my best to follow. But it wasn't about me being self-conscious about singing like I'm a singer. I was now going, wow, I was listening to the words, and I was singing, and the words are all based on biblical truth. So I was like 
really, and it started to move my heart. I call it like my heart was getting tenderized before it went on the barbecue. You know, getting the meat soft before, you know, putting the marinade on it, softening my heart. So when I heard worship and started to hear people speak about the Bible, I was already like moved. But when I don't sing and I come in grumpy or just not thinking or distracted, I miss already that opportunity to get warmed up and soft for God. Because we're here for a worship. If you look at uh, verse 18, Colossians 1, 18, it says, He is the head. Who? Jesus. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the beginning of the, and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the what? Supremacy. Supremacy. See, assume your place of submission because you know who you're under and you're willingly grateful to follow. He has supremacy in everything, whether you want to or not. God is over the whole world, and at the end of the world, God is supreme. But now you realize you want, and you're safe, and it's great to be with him, right? You know, it says clothed with humility in 1 Peter. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, what we read in there. It says here... uh, In verse uh, 5, it says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Clothe yourselves. You know, these younger guys, man, have called me higher to dress sharp. Chamba, how you doing? Chamba, every time I see him, I come there. He looks like a Gucci model. How you doing? Just vest. Tie, shoes, sharp. And then we got Jerry. How you doing? Looks like a looks like a looks like an NFL player that just decided to come to church. Because NFL players, when they put their suits on, or a pro ball player, they got nice suits. But he's humble, even though he's got those big old diamond how you doing earrings. He still worships God. Clothed. We all know we all like to get dressed. We all like clothes. I love to go to the thrift store and find those secret bargains I think are secret. You know, I don't just buy anything, but sometimes you'll see something and you go, this, this, this is nice. And then you look for the size. Ooh. And you fit you and you're like, whoa. And then you go up and pay whatever they say, Salvation Army. It's like, you know, you're like walking out going, hey, no, I feel so, you feel so great because you got it at a great price. Clothe yourselves. Well, what's God talking about here when he says clothe yourselves with humility? Now you think about it. Not just get a little humble. God says it's going to benefit you to understand. Remember, if you want to get out of the pit and and really do great and be vibrant with a new song, a brand new song, your life has been given a song. Someone wrote a song about your life and you're in it. That's like, wow, you're excited about God and life. Well, clothing yourself with humility is how you get there. And you know what it literally means? If you dig in, clothe, clothe yourself with humility. I, I looked this up, and, and, and I love this interpretation. It literally means to wear the apron of a slave. That's incredible. That means we should all be bringing aprons everywhere we go. And even though we're invited, and you, we're, we're grateful, but we're not entitled. So we may come to something, and they hey, sit down, have some food, but you're already willing to go, oh, you need me to cook the food no one planted? Oh, here, let me put the apron on. I'll serve you guys. But if you really think of that, it says, wear the apron of a slave. To humility before the Lord merely uh, means assuming a place of a servant, a slave, which the Bible actually calls a bond servant. Yeah. Now, 
you think about that. What's that mean? That means that you're, will, you're one that comes to serve, not be served. That's what Jesus said. If you have that attitude of gratitude and expect nothing, then everything is going to be grateful, right? But you're coming, and, and the more, when you serve, you're completely off yourself. And when you realize that's what God wants you to do, serve him and serve others, you're free. God, the salt, all the weight comes off somehow, and then you're grateful for whatever, whatever lot and wherever you're at in life, you're grateful. Yeah. And God adjusts your mind with wisdom on maybe how to adjust if you're in debt or overspending or doing something that you don't like. You can make those changes with God's power where now in your life, you're joyful. Amen. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. But to be a servant and come as one who serves... You know, this is what Jesus did in the upper room. Don't go there. But, you know, in John 13, when he washed their feet, he said, I, now do likewise. I am one who comes to serve. Wow. He washed all their feet and they didn't understand at the time. And it's not like we're all supposed to wash each other's feet literally. It's talking about willing to do what a slave would do. He washed these men's feet. Back then, that was the lowest thing you could do. And here's God Almighty in the human form on his knees washing these men's feet let alone before he dies and is beaten half to death and dies on the cross. That's what he did for us. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. We are called his bond slaves, really, so to speak. Look at Ephesians 6, verse 6. What do we look at? How do we look at God and how do we serve one another with the right heart? Well, look in verse 6 of Ephesians 6. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Isn't that powerful? You know, it's like, do it, it's all perspective, isn't it? It's mindset. It's not like if the boss isn't there that day and he's had to travel or something, you're still going to work. But in your mind, you're going, eh. You know what I mean? Just, just give someone what you'd want them to do if you're agreed to. But if you think about doing it from the eyes of God, then, then it changes everything, doesn't it? Because even if it doesn't matter what anybody else does, you're going to deal with what God allows to come. If it's good or bad, you're going to have that attitude of doing things, doing the will of God from your heart. Amen. That's a mindset. That's a new song of God from your mouth. That's a spiritual mindset that will actually free you in every situation, good, bad, and ugly. Yes. It's incredible. Amen. Point number two, surrender your worry to God. Because I know one thing, I cannot worry and be happy at the same time. I've got to get out of worry. When, you, when you're worrying, you, you're frozen. You can still be doing things, but it's hard. You're, you're not in the zone. You're, 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 not, you're subconsciously, you've got to figure out how to get that worry given to God. And let's look at this. Let's go back to 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Surrender your worry to God. So you got to surrender your will to God. What does that mean? Well, in the will we just talked about, in surrendering your will to God, now you're learning what that means. Well, it's also in the will of God, really giving your worry, because who doesn't worry? Jesus knows we all worry. He says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? I can. No, I just thought about it. I can't. In verse 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. Cast. Cast. Huh. Huh. It's not just like a tall, it's not just a lay down. It's like, get it out. Yes. Cast it away. You know what I'm saying? Yes. 
I want this water back. Who can carry this? Samuel? Cast! Get it away. I don't want it. I don't want it out. I didn't just lay it here. I want it out. Now I want it back, but that's the point. <laughs> Cast it out. I don't want it near me anymore. Get it out. And it says, cast all your anxiety. Well, what is anxiety? It's terrible, isn't it? Don't you hate that word? Yes. I mean, because the word itself, it's like not a fun word to rest on. <laughs> anxiety. Even when you say it, it's like, oh, I don't like it. Because you don't, because it's not good when you have anxiety. And actually, God, Jesus died for you to overcome that. It's not a godly quality. In heaven, there won't be anxiety. Yeah. You know, and I, I always realize that there won't. I was with, I was doing something in, um, Oh, I think I was trying to pay, and you have to, you know, you have to put your pen in there or something. And so, I think it was a stranger. I forget. What I was talking to him. I said, you know, in heaven we won't have to, we won't have to give pens or have security codes. And I, I think about it. If we're in heaven, no one, no one can. If you're in heaven, you're not going to be stealing. You're not going to be deceitful. You're not going to, you're not going to steal someone's account. You're not going to be mischievous. You're not going to be deviant. You're, you're going to think of the best for others. It's going to be just no locks. There won't be any locksmiths. No locks. There won't be any police. There won't be jails. There won't be anything because no one in heaven will do that. Amen. No one in heaven will worry. But God wants you to learn to have that slice of heaven now with that new song he's given you. Yes. Cast it. Well, casting, the verb refers to the act of throwing. You know, throwing. You guys know if you throw a ball, right? You're not just going to, like, if you want to play baseball, and you want to play catch, and you, you're confined to a little room, even, even though I don't play anymore, I don't want to have a mitt and throw it from me to Eddie. That's not fun. Now, if you're with a little kid, let's like, learn to catch the ball. Now you're like caring about the kids, so you're all out of yourself. So you're right there. Watch the ball. Like I did that with Ryan going. We were playing, uh, I don't know what I was having her catch, uh, but I was tossing. There they are back there with the baby. I was tossing the ball like, watch it. Look it in. Look it in with your eyes. Watch it. And she's like, I go, watch it, watch it, keep your eyes on it, and she'd catch it, but we were like from right here to you guys. She'd catch it, I go, oh, good! But I wasn't, I was completely off myself in the joy of seeing her accomplish it. But if I was looking at it like, this isn't fun for me, I don't want to do this. I want someone to move back, can someone take her place? I want to throw, this isn't, this is boring for me. Because I cared and had fun, my whole intentions, I was completely off my side, the joy came. That's the way you got to look at life. Casting refers to the act of throwing or casting something, throwing away. It's a form that refers to a one-time deal, by the way. Because oh. when you cast something into the trash and you get rid of it, that means you don't want it anymore. It's over. Now, are you going to have other trash? Yeah, but you're casting. It's a one-time deal. Get rid of it. Not some of it. Get rid of it. God says you can completely give it to God, and you should be free at that moment. But then you're in a relationship with God, but it doesn't linger. If it's lingering, you're not understanding what it means to surrender to the will of God. And, and, and send your worry to God. Um, you know, it really means that. Think about it. It, it. It's a form that refers to a one-time deal. Cast all your anxiety. Not some of it. All of it. It's gone. Now, it may, if something comes up later, you're growing in it. But at that time, it should be completely gone. And you're changed. And your perspective is you go from in your attitude singing that tired song to a brand new song that you didn't know. And now you love more than anything. It's so exciting. And you're sharing. Look at this song. Look at the song I found. Once and for all, we are, we are told here to cast your anxieties on him, God, who cares for you. What is that? Well, it's, it's like we are told to, to once and for all throw our burdens to Jesus. 
who died on the cross. Lay them at the foot of the cross. Get them to him. All of them. Not some. Don't, don't, oh, you can't handle them. No, get them all in. Pack it all up. Stuff it all in. Don't leave any out and cast it to him. He wants it. Amen. He's going to help you. Amen. What are you worrying about right now? See, what I'm telling you, if you walk out here today and you still worry, then, then the word, you, you're not open. You're not open to really faith because you are weak or prideful or defensive because this isn't just for, I hope some of you get it and you can excel. God doesn't show favoritism. He says, cast it all. Surrender to me. And maybe you're not really surrendered because you don't understand what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus the way the Bible defines. Yeah. You can't just figure it out and wing it like you think you know. That's pride. God opposes that. He opposes the proud. He says that. What that means, opposes, he doesn't just go, he's going to throw things. When you're walking, it's like some huge giant stepping in front of you all of a sudden last minute and just stopping. You run right into him and he just looks down at you and just so you're done. That's how God says, I'm ticked off. I don't like prideful people because you're not changing. Pride, God says he opposes. Doesn't just watch it and go, that's bad. He gets out and stu- he, he blocks it. He puts things in front of you. He causes problems because he doesn't want you to stay prideful. But see, it's not his fault. You just need to change and be humble. So we need to cast. When worries of life press us down, and they're real. I'm not trying to dismiss that. We do, not, we do not have to bear them alone. And sometimes we do that. We think about God. We think, we think, we go to church, we talk to people about our problems, but they still stay. Because you haven't taken time to go to the divine God and, and prayer, go, God, I want to give this to you. Help me. Because so then you're in church, you're talking to people, you're, you're thinking about it, you're watching, you're reading the Bible, and it's still all there. You have to connect with the divine God. Completely, you know, you know, our burden, we're supposed to give it all to the Lord. All your cares, cast them on. Why? Because God cares for you. How do you feel about that? God cares about you. Sometimes you can think, he does not care for me. Well, your life, then, then you've got to rewind. He cares for you, but you've got to submit. So see, if you don't submit to God Almighty as Lord and, and God then you don't pass go and collect $100. So you have to be willing to submit humbly to the scriptures and go, where am I maybe out of ignorance not obeying? Yeah. So, get, see what I'm saying? And that's, that's humble. That's just being humble because it's about obeying God's word. Thanks, love. Um, well, how do we do this? Confidently. Look in Hebrews 4.15. With absolute confidence... See, when you start to follow the direction of God, you're fired up that he's your trainer in your life. So you're going, give me direction. How do I do this? How do I do this? Well, God's word gives us exactly how to follow Jesus and the way we should live and how to even pray. He teaches us to pray. And you see over and over, but if you're not opening your Bible, then you're not humble. Or you don't know. And that's why we got to help people when we share our faith and show them the Bible and say, this is what moved me, right? And look, in, uh, and look in Hebrews 4, 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are. Yet, 
he did not sin. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's a good word. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time in need. Get us out of that pit. See, confidence feels good. That word's a nice word you read. Everybody wants that confidence. Confidence. Anxiety. When you say confidence or confident, don't you want to be confident? Not fake. See, confident can wear false clothes. People can seem confident, and they're more insecure than the moon. I don't know if the moon's insecure, but... Man on the moon. You know, insecurity. They, you find that out. You see that. You see it in movies, but in real life, sometimes the big bully, someone's just got to step up, and, you, and, and this little veneer falls apart. Or someone that, someone that acts domineering or forceful in a job or, the, or trying to be a tyrant, they're, they're, they're insecure, but they're barato. They're, 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 they're trying to keep this front where a lot of people can be afraid. But for us, we just need to be confident in God. Confident. I mean, let's just read that last part again in verse 16. Just read it with me. Let us approach. Okay, that's a decision, and that's not going up in the... Basically, it's approaching in prayer, deciding to give God your will. Give God... Surrender everything. When I was reading these scriptures and working on the sermon, I just had this freedom, this re-freedom. I just went... It was adjustment. I was like, oh, gosh, I don't have to do anything, God, except be willing to just serve you and others. And I go, I got nothing on my shoulders anymore. I got no one. I'm willing, but it's all you. I felt I just, it was like a, like a little, uh, what do you call it, a, a spinal adjustment, a little massage. And they go in there and they... <laughs> Let us approach the God's throne of grace with confidence. Are you confident? Are you confident? Not, not fake. Are you confident that it's not in you, but God's with you, and you're going, to, you're going to deal and go into things with that step of the Spirit, freshness? Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find help. Help. Isn't it great? That's a nice word, too. Help. Help me. Let us find help in our time of need. It doesn't say go to people. It says go to God for help. Go to God for your help. Come on. Go to God for help. See, you're not thinking faithful because you're usually looking at means, falling short, needing something. And it doesn't mean God doesn't work through people to meet needs. But if you don't go to God first, you're just thinking you're living by what you see. Yeah. You're praying to an invisible God who goes, hey, I'm going to help you. Yeah. And then, then once, once things happen and th stuff is done through people, you realize that's you for sure. Yeah. Because I prayed. Yeah. Wow. Does that make sense? Surrender your will to God. Surrender your worry to God. And the last one is strengthen your walk with God. Strengthen your walk with God. Go back to 1 Peter 5, verse 8. You guys with me? Yes. What's that mean? Come on, let's go. Verse Vazi. Vazi. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know, if you're a Christian, you know this scripture pretty well. 
But some of you, even as Christians, get the tar beat out of you by Satan. There's a problem. It's not, it's not God failed. There's a problem in you understanding the two points I already told you before. Surrender your will to God. Send your worry to God and be centered in God. Satan ain't going to get you. Satan devours and just beats us. We're not, maybe not dead. We can get back out of the pit, but why go through it again and again and again and be just beat down mentally and just uh, allow sin to get in your life and allow the pride and the defensiveness and then you're just messed up. Let's break this down a little bit. We're told here to be alert and sober. Alert of sober mind. Alert. I don't know if any of you had to guard something or be alert. It's like... It means no dozing off. And some of us have been in class or something. Sometimes it's hard. You're like, you ever see, you've probably been that person once or twice, but I've seen people you can't, you're just like, I mean, there was times uh, in LA sometimes, I don't know what was going on, but I was like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm in a meeting and I just, I remember, I was like, I can't keep my eyes open. So I bend my head over and try to press and force the blood up to my head. You guys know how to do that? You go like this, you go, I read my faces. <laughs> now when I do that, it goes up. Now it's rushing, and I'm awake again. I got more of a rush. Don't do that to get high, but that worked for me. That kept me so I could be back up and stay alive for another 20 minutes in the meeting because I don't want to be disrespectful, but it was something wrong. I don't know why I was doing that. It turned red, didn't it? Didn't it turn really red? See, I can move my blood around in my body. No, I learned. Sober and alert. That means we need to get serious about some things. The Bible says that. You don't just read it over like, oh, I'm in first world country. Nothing's going to happen to me. Just go to church weekly. I'm a religious. I'm a Christian. Oh, my gosh. Satan's like, I can't wait to take him. He walks around and talks intellectually about God, but he's not in God. Trusting in God. Praying to God, reading his Bible, thinking about God, and remembering the song for his life, spiritually speaking, from God. Not the worldly song. You need to get serious about some things, especially where the devil's concerned or the Bible wouldn't have said it. Who do you think wants to get your life in the pits anyway? Satan. Why would God, dying on the cross, Jesus dying on the cross for you, wanting you to be in the pits when he's offered the joy of your salvation and even taught you how to enjoy and look at trials of many kinds as an opportunity for great joy? Challenges now you look at, wow, that's part of God's plan. Amen. Instead of going, oh, what am I going to use? Go, God, what am I going to do? Help me understand. Give me wisdom. But what am I learning? He says that. He even says that about the problems in their care. You don't look at it and go, oh. Yes. Satan wants you in the pits. Who do you think is actively interested in seeing you miserable? Yeah. Actively. Well, you're, the Bible says that he's, he's, he's engaged on the earth. Yeah. Who do you think is working against you every day of your life? Not you. Not your fellow brothers and sisters. Who? The demonic Spiritual warfare. Um, And as we strengthen our walk with God, 
we will see the path of victory over the devil. You need to be serious about the devil's reality. That's the number one thing. You got to think that way. Not be afraid, but realize you may not even understand it all, but you know, spiritually speaking, there's forces. Just like you can feel this wind. If the wind is cranking, you know, like hurricanes or storms, we know we're out. Same wind, same wind right now, same air. It's friendly now. But same thing with God. God is spirit, so the devil's in spirit. But it's not, it's not, a, it's not the loving God. It's not God. Yeah. It's an evil. You know, the devil is real. Jesus believes in him. The Bible believes in him. God believes in him. Jesus tells Peter, hey, Simon, the devil is asked to sift you. It's not like Jesus going, hey, I think there's an evil force. He's like the devil. I, yeah, I saw him thrown out of heaven. Guess what? We're allowing him to go only, only as far as he wants, but he's asked to sift you. I, and he says, I prayed for you, man. He says, so you're going to take a punch. You're going to, because he says, when you turn back. I mean, he's, that means he's going to fall away. He did. But he came back. So we all need to be aware. You know, the same Satan is the one who attacked the character in Job. Same Satan. Roaming the earth right? Looking for problems, looking to cause trouble. He's a trouble maker, trouble maker, but you don't need to let him. So when you're in a bad place or something's going on, you need to take responsibility for your actions, but then you have to get back into God. And when you take responsibility for what you've done wrong, that can be sin because you're spiritually, you go, God, help me change that. Then you go to whoever you need to and ask for forgiveness right there. You're clearing the devil out. You're clearing the devil out, being humble. Be serious about the devil's ferocity. The devil is compared to what? A roaring lion. I wish I had someone in here that had a roaring lion attack them in the desert and got away. That'd be a great story, wouldn't it? That person could, we all know what it may be like, but a person who actually, we watched this movie called The Beast, and this family went, a dad and two kids went to, the, went to Africa, South Africa, and this lion was like rogue. Oh, my God. Gosh, it was terrible. But I know if someone was almost attacked and survived maybe losing a limb, but they got away, they would never forget when they talked to you about a lion's ferocity. You know, lions, just to let you know, they are 14 to 21 times stronger than a man. Could you imagine 14, 15 Afonso's coming at you? Right, one Afonso. But, but two of any man in here could take one man. 14 times? It's 14 to 21 times, it says. Stronger. Satan's far stronger than we are, and that's what God allows. If you don't keep God focused as your sinner and your protector and your rock, you're just going to get beat up because you're not a match for him. We cannot fate, fight Satan on our own. Even Michael, the archangel, wouldn't fight the devil in Jude. Verse 9, it says, I'm not, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the name of Jesus. I'm not, I'm not going to deal. They're disputing. It doesn't even give us more, but they're disputing over the body of Moses, which is interesting, but don't get caught up in theories. Just look, what, but look at the issue. Yeah. Michael's not afraid, but he's not going farther with him. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. A mature lion can consume 30% of his own body weight. Now, wow. I weigh about 185. 30, let's say 33%, right? So let's just say three, let's just say three into 180 was what, 60 pounds? 60 pounds. Okay, so I'm going to go out tonight and I'm going to go to dinner and I'm going to eat 60 pounds of food. 
Think about your weight and divide it by three and, and think this next meal you're going to go eat that. That's great, but that's normal. That's what they eat each sitting. That's, it's a, we can't understand that, can you? 30% of their own body weight they consume at one sitting. Oh my gosh. They are famous as king of the beasts, the king of the jungle. I mean, think about it, right? All those who encounter them treat them with fear and respect. You know, if you ever went and seen a lion on a game reserve or something besides the zoo, oh, look at the lion down there, you know. They say, don't get out of the car. Yeah. I've been to the game reserve in Africa. You don't get out of the car. You see them all right there in your car. You put the window down just like that, and they're laying down under the tree with their big manes, and all of a sudden they go, one of them goes, why? They smell your scent right when the window goes down. They're like, they're, they're looking like, where is it? Oh, my gosh. And then you realize that if they charge the car, you're dead. Yeah. I would never get out of that car. Right? <laughs> so children of God, we need, even though we're in Christ, we still need to respect the evil power of the devil in a fearful way, and, and, and that should keep us close to God. Yeah. You guys with me on that? Yeah. Lions are to be feared. A mature lion's roar can be heard up to five miles away. Now, we had a, and when I was growing up in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, in our neighborhood, there was a star in the Gunsmoke series that lived down, that lived about three blocks, four blocks from us. Yeah. Amanda Blake, Miss Kitty on the show Gunsmoke, Miss Kitty. I showed Sonia the other day. I was, I was passing through on the old westerns, and it was on. And I go, hey, honey, look. And she happened to be acting, because I hadn't seen it in a long time. I go, that, that, that's Amanda Blake, Miss Kitty. And it was like, you know, that thing was shot in 1950 or something. It's such an old. But I go, that was our neighbor. But she owned a lion. She owned a huge lion. She had a permit for it. She had a big estate. And, and everybody in the neighborhood, the kids, we'd sneak over there and try to get in there and look at the lion. And you'd have to sneak through as a big estate. So you kind of sneak through at night and then you're looking for it in this huge wall, like so huge. And then once we got to the wall, there was like bob wire all the way up and it was like this, but the wall was like eight feet. You had, we had to help each other. You know, we were young and gusting. We were robot, you know, we were young and dumb, but, but we were energetic. So we put our foot down and they'd put our foot and we'd pop them up and you'd grab it. And I remember grabbing it and I, and I were, it's night. We're sneaking in. We don't want her to wake up. We don't want anybody to wake up. And I remember pulling over like this. And I'm looking over the, in, in the lot, looking, I don't see anything. You know, it's like the moonlight, and it's like dim lights on it. And so I'm, I can see, but I'm looking, and I'm looking, and then I don't see it. And then all of a sudden, I look down, right against the wall. This huge lion is sitting there, staring right at me. <laughs> he knew I was there before I even got to the wall. And he was already up positioned, and I was like, where is he? And even though I had the wall, I forgot about the wall, because I looked down, and it's like this with this huge mane, and he's like this. And then he launched up onto the fence, onto the wall. I let go and fell completely back on my back. I, I, and the other guys did, too. There was two or three guys. We all fell, let go when we fell. It was like eight feet wall. We just went down. And we didn't think about it. We getting hurt. We jumped up and ran probably the 40-yard dash in four seconds. We kept running, even though we were away, the psychological thing, we just kept sprinting. <laughs> Scariest thing I've ever had. But I would hear that thing at night, and it's probably about a mile or two, about a mile away from us, about a mile, but you'd hear it growling at night. 
But no one complained because I think everybody in the whole neighborhood thought it was the coolest thing. That's our lion. You know, think about it. If you had a grunting lion at night, you didn't complain because it was just a conversation piece. But we'd, you could hear it just going permeating for the whole huge neighborhood at night. Not every night, but it would do that. It was like cool. But why do they roar? Lions do most of their roaring at night. This is true. The reason they roar in the first place, at, and this is by scientific, you know, guys that understand the instinct of lions, is they say the reason they do that roar that they know instinctually, it puts fear in the hearts of people, of the animals in the Serengeti. Wow. Just they can hear it so far. Everybody kind of knows that's the king. Wow. <sighs> every, every animal just knows. You know, you never see in the uh, National Geographic's like a lion coming up, some animal that just doesn't understand and comes up bravado. They're all aware. No one's like pushing forward going, let's fight this lion. Even the elephants are just saying, stay away. I, I don't want the lion. <laughs> Well, why? Well, because he wants to create fear. So why does God say, what's the devil for us? The devil wants to do that too. The devil wants to allow fear of life and circumstances to permeate. See, fear pushes out your faith, and that's of the devil. Fear is not of God. Reverence for God is a godly thing. But, that, but fear uh, is, is anxiety. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I'm worried. I'm, I'm going to fall. I'm going I'm to die. Fear. Well, what's this say? He roars to create, the devil does that too. He roars to create fear. Why? Because fear paralyzes faith. Does it not? You can't be fearful and faithful at the same time. You got to stop and deal with your fear. You got to pray. You got to read. You got to journal. You got you to go, God, get, and then, then once you get that power of God, it's kind of dissipates. It's gone. And even though the problem still be there, you'll, you're going to work through it with a confidence. So now your faith is there, Right? But you got to take time with God to, to, to psychologically let God move your perspective with the eyes of faith. Yeah. We do not live by sight. We live by faith. You guys got that? Yeah. Fear paralyzed. If the devil can get you to listen to his roar in any kind of perspective in your life, you're going to start to be afraid, insecure, and you're going to start to get weaker in your faith. And he wants to take you out. He wants to, not, he wants to devour you. Devour is like, I don't want to just hurt you. I want you all the way out. I want your faith to die and you no longer follow or serve or, or in the will of God. I want that. Then I can pull back a little bit about keeping an eye, but you, now you're off again and you're not, follow, you're not right with God. See what I'm saying? So the secret of overcoming him and changing his roar, if you go to God with all your faith, you can change that roar into a, Meow. Meow. A little kitten. You know a little kitten? You're like, look, I'm not scared. You know, if anything, they'll say that's cute, but you can clean that stuff up and get the paper changed. <laughs> little kitten, right? Oh, no one goes, <gasps> a little kitten, right? Everybody's like, meow, meow. That's what you can do to Satan with your power of reading the word of God in faith. Take it. There's nothing to fear if you're in God. Power, right? Isn't that awesome? Let me ask you, do you think Satan's got, is think, is Satan has a notch on his gun because of you? You say, no, no way. I'm in Christ. I've got God, right? Amen. So, summing it up, you want to get out of the pit, and you're going to get in the pit again. Guess what? We're saved by grace, and we're all weak. We read over and over men, men and women that do it, but it doesn't mean you want to. It means, hey, let's stay steadfast and know how to get out. If you get in a rut or whatnot, what are you doing? You're straying. Devote yourself 
to, to, to what, the, what Jesus as the leader of the church, Jesus as the head of the church, the body, the commands of God. Why did you come Sunday as Christians? You come every Sunday, not because you have to, because he says, let us not give up meeting together to devote yourself. There's a power from God's plan divinely when we worship together. You can be alone, but there's a power when we worship together. That's why he says, come together. So when you miss a midweek consistently or anything, not in a legalistic way, but if the devotion of the heart starts to allow things to distract you and not put your, your devotion to God and his kingdom first, yeah. you may not think it's anything wrong at first, but you're actually disobeying God. Yeah. I don't care how you slice it. Yeah. And now you're going to get weaker. Because yeah. it's not about having to control you. It's about you should be benefiting from hearing the words of God and worship. So surrender to the will of God. Send your worries to God. Cast it all. And if it comes again, but at least when you're done, right now there's no worry, I'm done. Not just keep a little, but throw it, and I'm still kind of struggling. No, you're not casting correctly. And then surrender your walk to God, and to God be the glory. Amen.